Here's what's coming up on today's episode. She said, I heard you can get AIDS from cats. And I was like, I just thought maybe I was like, this was something that was overlooked because we've been talking about COVID so much that like I missed an article about how we've been getting AIDS from cats. Welcome to the Crying in the Bathroom podcast with your co-host. I'm Beth Barodi. And I'm Heather McDonald. This is a podcast for women who have experienced the career highs, lows, and everything in between. So let's talk about them together. Join us while we share personal stories of our own, as well as bringing on some amazing guests to share their stories. We'll cover everything from corporate to nonprofit, parents and non-parents, promotions and job hunting, and so much more. Whether you're listening to us on your walk to the grocery store, while you're getting ready for work, or as you sit on the cold bathroom floor. Because let's face it, we've all been there. We're just happy you joined us. everyone welcome back to crying in the bathroom today i am really excited about the guest that we have uh, she is my sister-in-law she is someone that i've gotten to know over the last few years um, who i love and adore and think is just one of the most hilarious people uh, i've met she has incredible life story. She's done a ton uh, with her career and with her life in general. And so I'm really, really excited to have her on this podcast and have her share some, some of her stories with you. So as we get started, I'm just going to start firing some of these rapid questions at you. Um, and if you need a minute to think about them, feel free, but we'll try and get through them as quickly as possible. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First one, what is your name? Christina Henry. And what's your occupation? I'm a registered nurse. What city do you live in? Calgary. And if there's anywhere in the world that you could move while maintaining your same job and relationships, where would it be? Oh, gosh, anything with a beach, probably like Costa Rica, somewhere hot, Mm -hmm. sunny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you have kids? I have a uh, one. I have one growing. You have a growing Yay. baby. I have a growing Christina's baby. Pregnant. <laughs> Yay. Thanks. And just found out that you're having a girl. A girl, a little baby yes. Christina. It's going to be yeah. wonderful. Yes. Um, do you have any pets? Yes, I have uh, my dog Buck. And are you married, dating, single, ready to mingle, or happy without? Oh, is there a multiple option? No. Um, <laughs> there just, can be if you want. <laughs> just married. <laughs> just married. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever stolen anything from work? Oh. Don't you want to admit to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, of yes. Course. I think we all have. We've all been there. Yes. Yes. Nothing that would, like, destroy the healthcare system or anything. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. Uh, have you taken credit for something at work that you didn't do? Oh. Probably. <laughs> I, I was thinking Maybe. about that question with you, and I was like, like, reviving someone, but taking credit for it? Like, I don't know how you take credit for work yeah. uh, as a nurse yeah. than someone else does. But No, I mean, that's kind of hard to do. It's such a group thing. I guess you can take credit for some things, but eh, not, not in general, no. 
the next one is also a bit of a biggie, but what is your biggest achievement in life? Oh, um, <laughs> that is big. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I guess my biggest achievement, something I had always wanted to achieve when I got into my career was to uh, travel with my nursing career. And I did that in the last um, year and a half. Um, so that was uh, something that was like really major in my career that I wanted to get done. Um, so I did that and that would probably be one of my biggest achievements. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and we will definitely dive into that in a little bit. Uh, yeah. And the last question, can you tell us about a time that you cried in the bathroom? Um, I could tell you a lot of times where I cried in the bathroom. <laughs> like I could tell you a lot of times I cried this week in the bathroom or no. last week. <laughs> You can pick anyone, anyone you want to share. It was funny because I knew I was doing this podcast and I literally thought about it as I was crying in the bathroom a few days ago at work because I (laughs) went out to my truck to go to work and realized someone had broken in and (sighs) they took my work bag and like a few other things, like nothing really that was uh, of importance, but um, you know, it's just always so invading. So once I got to work, I started crying and I was crying in the bathroom and I was like, Oh, I'm crying in the bathroom at work. <laughs> um, how convenient. How convenient. Um, but I, you know what? I've done a lot of crying in the bathroom over the last year and a half. Uh, you know, some of it with the pandemic and some of it with my own personal struggles of getting pregnant. Um, and my work is a really hard place to be when you are pregnant. Um I work in the emergency department, so we see a lot of miscarriages. So when you're early on in your pregnancy uh, and it's something that's already on your mind, it's also in your face. Um, So I do the the first day that I went back to work after I found out I was pregnant because we did IVF, I had taken some time off. And the first day that I was working, I um, was at triage and I triaged three different miscarriages and they were all at very different times. Like... One was six weeks, one was nine weeks, one was 16 weeks. And I was like, so I'm just never going to feel good ever again. Oh. And uh, so, and then I mean, like I cried because I was upset and I cried for those women and then I cried for myself. And then I cried because I was also very hormonal because I was jacked up on hormones. So um, that was definitely one that like stuck out in my mind over the last year um, that uh, I spent there's I even when you guys told me about the podcast and I was like I have a stall in the bathroom that is mine. <laughs> this is the first stall. stall. This is my stall. Just yeah. Store some little snacks in there. Like yeah, little, like I should. Yeah, just get a I should. <laughs> yes, I should. Yeah. I don't think that you can actually be a nurse without having humor. I don't think I know a nurse that doesn't have humor. Uh, it's kind. It, I'm sure it's sick to other people. I'm sure it is, but uh, it's the only way that we get through the day. And I've said some things that I would only say to nurses to non-nurses, and they never go over very well. And it makes me feel pretty awful. So, yeah, you definitely uh, you need another you need other nursing friends. And even I think probably when Matt and I started dating, I'm sure he thought that I would, like. The first, I, I think the first time that he hung out with my nursing friends and I, uh, I think him and his friends were pretty shocked that we were <laughs> it's really weird. Can yeah. you give us an example? 
<laughs> well, you know what? Actually, well, Beth was there, so it was at my wedding. And um, Matt's uh, close friend, he uh, they were just doing this high kick competition. Uh, oh, he boy. went too high, flipped himself around, uh, and he hit his head, and he went unconscious. And I thought... I thought he snapped his neck. Like, and uh, like, luckily, like, you know, seven or eight nurses went uh, forward. A few of them stepped away when they realized they were too drunk to probably help. So the sober ones kind of moved forward, which was really good. <laughs> and he came too, and uh, we were talking outside, and I said, I, <laughs> um, I said to, I was asking him, you know, these questions. I asked him where he was and all these things, and I said, well, why are we here? And he kind of looked at me and he said, your wedding. And I said, well, I'm wearing a wedding dress, so that's like kind of a given. And then I said, I was like, I was like, you know, I really thought that you might have died and ruined my wedding. <laughs> the only thing that people would think about was that, that you died at my wedding. And that would be the only thing that I would have to look back at. And his girlfriend just started bawling. And I was like, oh my God, no, you can't talk about people dying. Like it with the general population, like death is not funny. Like, there's no, there was no room for humor here. Um, and I went and told my other nursing friends that I did this. And, of course, they thought it was hilarious. And I was like, okay, right. Like, this is not the, like, you can't put this humor on other people. It's not funny. That's incredible. What's, yeah. the, what's the most unusual thing that you've seen in the ER? Oh. <laughs> or one of the Oh, most. my gosh. Lots. Um, you know, I was actually telling the story the other day. It was on my... Um, uh, one of my travel contracts and, um, someone came in and was just like, absolutely like ravaged by a, um, stray cat. Like her hands were just so cut up. And so she came in and I'm, you can get pretty bad infections from cats. So I thought she just came in for some antibiotics. I called the doctor and he said, yeah, just give her some antibiotics to go. Um, and she said, oh no, I'm not really worried about like that kind of infection. And I was like, oh, like, what, what would you be worried about? And she said, well, I'm worried about AIDS. And I was like, Oh my God! Why, why would you be like? Is there something I'm missing here? From the cat. And from the so she was worried about getting AIDS from the cat, and I was so confused. I didn't understand what she was talking about. And she said, she said, "Well, uh, I heard you can get AIDS from cats." And I was like, I just thought maybe I was like, this was something that was overlooked because we've been talking about COVID so much that like I missed an article about how we've been getting AIDS from cats. And so I, like, went and I talked to another colleague, and they, like, again, I mean, we just kind of had some sick jokes back and forth, and then we were like, apparently there's feline AIDS. So, like, cats have AIDS, and they can spread it amongst themselves. But, like, they're not actively spreading it towards us. And so I had to try to convince this woman that she didn't need the, like, HIV prophylactic drugs. I, I tried to tell her, like, I've had to be on them. They're very awful. Like, don't do it. And also it's just not necessary. And I just kept thinking, like, like, how weird is it that like like you thought that we would get AIDS from cats and we've just been ignoring this like for years <laughs> like we've had cats as pets for years and we might get AIDS from them but it's okay because they're so cute and fluffy <laughs> that we just like we just don't mind that we might possibly get AIDS from them I just thought what a what a strange thing that we've been ignoring this epidemic of getting AIDS from cats <laughs> Of cat AIDS. And I was like, and this is, you know, it was just one more thing that COVID's just really like overlooked that we just haven't been paying attention to. You're listening to Crying in the Bathroom because let's face it, we've all been there. 
been to a couple like fairly rural places in Canada. Um, and I think when people think about travel nursing, they think about traveling abroad to like other countries or other places where the healthcare system isn't as good. Yeah. Um, but just share with us like what's your experience with it? Um, what have you enjoyed about it? What have you learned? And just like if other nurses are listening and then they wanted to kind of get involved, like how they could jump on this. Yeah, um, it's something I wanted to do for a really long time, and I didn't think I had enough experience to do it, which I found out, like, you do, like, if you think, if you're thinking about doing it, you do have enough experience, they'll take you. Um, in BC, actually in most provinces, but in BC particular, they have, um, a lot of small rural, uh, towns, um, that are very far away from Vancouver, Victoria, some of the bigger, um, centers. Um, so they're in need of extra staff because if you have a population of, uh, you know, 500 to 1,000 people, you probably don't have nurses living there. Um, and so uh, there's just companies that uh, they set you up and go different places. So, yeah, I've gone to a couple of different remote islands off of Vancouver Island um, and uh, Sunshine Coast. And my latest one was in um, Salt Spring Island. Um, so they've all kind of been a little bit different, like Seashelt and Salt Spring Island are a lot more touristy. Um, there's a lot more going on. Um, I've gone to uh, Cormorant Island or Alert Bay and Bella Bella, which are um, Aboriginal communities. Um, and I've just learned so much from that experience going to Aboriginal communities. Uh, Alert Bay had a residential school on it uh, and has a wonderful museum that um, taught me a lot about it. I learned a lot about Aboriginal health. Um, and, you know, what they're doing to try to improve it. Um, and uh, so that was pretty impressive. Um, so some of them, like, some of them are a little bit bigger. You have, you know, um, CT scanners and things like that. And other places you have nothing. Um, you're the nurse, you're the ECG tech, you're the blood draw person, you run the blood. Um, and it's just usually you and a doctor. So a few of the places was just me and um, a doctor. Um, the, when I was in Alert Bay, the, the strangest thing was that the first patient I had was, uh, he was having a progressive heart attack and the only way, like you're on an island, so you have to get them off of the island down to, um, a bigger center on Vancouver Island. And, uh, but we had trouble getting the ambulance to take him to the ferry dock because he was the ambulance driver. Whoa. So we didn't have, <laughs> so we were trying, so they only had one other ambulance person, but she wasn't usually the driver. So then, and she was not really supposed to be taking, she can't take a patient uh, in the ambulance and drive them because you also need an ambulance driver in the back as well. So we were having tr logistic troubles of trying to get them. Um, and they, in small communities, when I say ambulance driver, they do have, um, they have paramedics, but they also just have community drivers that drive the, the ambulances around. They're, um, uh, they're not fully trained um, uh, paramedics. So, so that was kind of strange. I really didn't know what to do with that. Uh, I didn't know how to get them there. Um, and then they want the nurse to come in with the ambulance. But if I leave, you have to close the emergency department down. So oh, <laughs> it's a lot about getting people that are critically ill uh, out of there. Is there any other career that you would like to be in if you weren't in nursing? 
Um, so we've talked about this a lot at work for whatever, I don't, maybe the, <laughs> probably because of the Coping. burnout reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I had actually looked into being a vet, not very seriously, just looked into what I, what I needed to do to become a vet. Um, because I just loved animals. I used to want to do it when I was younger, but then I, I thought, oh, I can't put dogs down, but, um. And you'd have to watch out for cat aids. And I'd have to watch out for cat aids, yeah. you know, which is just this ongoing epidemic. It's the new pandemic. It's yes. the new pandemic, and no one's talking about it. It kind of reminds me of, like, I don't know if you guys watch The Office, but when Michael mm-hmm. Scott raised money for rabies, but there's already a cure. Yes. That's what cat, yes. feel like, cat aids <laughs> makes me, reminds me of. Um so I'm doing, I'm going to organize a 10K run. So, um, yeah, so I think I'd want to be a vet. And, you know, uh, when I was younger, I thought, oh, I can't put animals down. But I actually did a lot uh, of work with palliative care, like end-of-life care when I worked in Whitehorse. Um, and I think that end-of-life care is actually so special. It's like anyone that does palliative care is amazing. And it's just such a specialized um class of nursing and healthcare, um, and uh, and I, I look at death a lot differently through my career now that um, I don't think that part of the vet career would bother me that much. If I'm being honest, uh, and I have been about it, I um, was very terrified to have a girl. Uh, I did not. I wouldn't say that I didn't want to have a girl. I didn't. At the end of the day, I didn't care. It it was too hard to make this child to care what it is. But <laughs> I um, I uh, I think just growing up as a female, and I think other females can agree. It you just it's just hard. Um, and I never want her to hurt and, uh, you know, and I, uh, but I, I've, you know, really done a lot of thinking since finding out that it was a girl that like the world is changing and, uh, you know, uh, women are making pathways for other women. And, uh, you know, my daughter's got, you know, when she's my age at 33 years, I really see the world as being going to be a different place for her. And so I, I found a lot of, um, reassurance in that, that I do believe the world is changing. I I was worried about, you know, like, I mean, most women I know, they all have body image issues. I've struggled with it myself that I just didn't want to have a girl that would have to go through that. But I also think that that narrative is changing as well. Um, and really I kind of said, you know what, this, this is up to me. Like I have to change this narrative for her as well. And like, um, and, and luckily I've surrounded myself with like really wonderful women, including a sister-in-law who somehow expedited uh, feminist <laughs> children books to me within 24 hours of finding out I had a girl. Um, like I have really wonderful women that this daughter's like that my daughter's going to be able to to look up to that I'm I'm not as worried as I was before. Mm, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I want to cry. That's, <laughs> yeah, I actually have tears in my eyes right now. Like that is. Oh just well, I did too, so but I'm just hormonal. Beautiful. Today. <laughs> no, I mean I think we all are after that stage. Yeah. Like you have yeah. the opportunity to um, 
help her carve a path for herself that that maybe you didn't have or your mom didn't have Mm -hmm. and that's just such an incredible opportunity for you and it's it's really beautiful like you could create a little powerhouse yeah and I mean luckily like my like Matt is so on board for it like he just wants her to be whatever she wants and do whatever she wants and he's like he really didn't I mean he also (laughs) he also thought we were having a boy as well he was excited about it I think I think that's pretty natural as a father to want a son. But he also was like, we're going fishing and we're going camping and we're going hunting. And I do love the like the mindset that he has that he really doesn't care if it's a girl or boy. She, she like, I mean, I grew up playing sports. His sister grew up playing sports. Like none of that really matters to us. Um, so, and he, I don't think he sees, I mean, he isn't a, a woman in this world, so it's hard for him to feel like what I'm feeling that way. But I think he understands it. And um, so, you know, luckily, like we're, you know, really on the same page as all that. Conversations like this, like in the last five minutes, just give me so much hope. And it just like Mm -hmm. fills me with so much joy to think about that next generation and to think about exactly what you said, the world that we get to create, the world that we get to change, the narratives we get to change, the ceilings we get to smash, all of those sorts of things for these young girls who are coming up um, behind us. Yeah, yeah, it's so, and like young children in general, because we've talked about it and we're like, you know, we're, we're like, yeah, we're having a girl, but like, yeah, if that girl wants to, you know, she can be whatever she wants, including not a girl. So, you know, like, and, and I think having the hope for that community as well in the future, because I think something, you know, someone said to me once of like, they weren't, um, a friend of mine said when he came out to his parents, his parents were just concerned about him having to live in a world and be gay. Um, and it's the same thing. Like I'm hope you know, I'm hoping in 15 less, I'm hoping in less years than that, um, that they don't have to put up with all the crap that people did in the past and that it is more accepting. So whatever she wants to be, including not a she, the world I'm hoping is going to be a better place for that. So I just picked up my phone and I just saw a poem from Rupi Love her. I have her book in front of me. Yes, Yes. and I I know you love her. Mm -hmm. And can I just say, I'm going to read the poem that I just saw because it is so fitting for what we just spoke about. And it says, When my daughter is living in my belly, I will speak to her like she's already changed the world. She will walk out of me on a red carpet, fully equipped with the knowledge that she is capable of anything she sets her mind to. Oh, well. (laughs) Let me just move to the bathroom. Thanks for listening to Crying in the Bathroom. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at Crying in the Bathroom Podcast. Thanks again for joining.